Many of you this morning, if not most of you, would call yourselves Christians. Uh, there may be some of you who are still uh, searching things out and wondering, you know, do I, do I want to embrace Christ? Do I want to become a Christian? And there may be a few of you who may just be here and, you know, may be indifferent to Christianity and really not interested much at all, but you're here anyway. And uh, yet, I think no matter how you would categorize yourself, I think we all would make this same observation or have made the same observation in our lives about Christians. And that is, Christians are not perfect. You know, sometimes Christians do things they shouldn't do, and sometimes they don't do the things they should do. And uh, sometimes, you know, we can be uh, hypocritical, which means that we say we believe one thing and yet, and yet we do another. And that may be one reason why some of you, you know, have hesitated coming to church, because, or maybe you know someone who's hesitated you know, to come to church because of the hypocrisy. You know, we, we say one thing, we do another. And this forces us to ask a very important question, and that is, how do Christians deal with sin? You know, we know that before you become a Christian, that you, you're in sin, you, you've wronged God, you've tried to build your life apart from God, and then when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. But then what happens once you are a Christian and you find yourself doing something you shouldn't do or you, you know, you're reminded of something that you didn't do or, or that you refused to do? And so what do, you, what do you do with that? How do we deal with sin? And so John, in this letter called 1 John in the Bible, he is addressing some teaching that has been going on in some of these churches that he's familiar with. And there have been some people who have come out of the church and they have begun teaching something different about God and what it means to have fellowship with God than what John had originally taught. And so John is writing this letter to try to, try to bring some correction to what is being taught there around the churches and that is threatening the purity of the church's doctrine. You know, and John, at the first part of this letter, he tells us that you know, he didn't just arrive at this truth or this message of God, this truth about God. He didn't arrive at that. Uh, someone didn't tell him this, like some other follower of Jesus. You know, he didn't tell him this. John is saying that the message that I'm going to tell you about and that I did tell you about, this message actually came from Christ. It came from God. He's the one who passed this along. And that, that is why I'm passing it along to you. And they passed it along to us all these many centuries later. And so what is this message that John wants us to know and wanted the churches to know in his day? Well, we find it in verse 5 in 1 John chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you in the pew. You can use that one. But here are the words of John. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So in these six verses, John tells us at least two things. First, he tells us something about the nature of God. He said God is light. And next, he tells us how we, as people, can walk in the light in light of the fact that God is light. So first, and fundamentally, he takes us to the nature of God. He tells us that God is light. Look with me at verse 5 again. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So John is saying the message that we have received from Jesus, the same Jesus that we saw, that we heard, that we touched, this is the message. And that is God is light. John has taken us straight back to the character and the nature of God. And it's interesting that John says God is light because he could say, you know, God is truth or God is holy or God is love, which he will say later on. But here he says God is light. He uses this metaphor of light. And so what is John trying to communicate here? I think he's at least communicating two things by using this metaphor of light. I think he's telling us that God is a revealing God. He makes himself known. And he's also telling us that not only is he making himself known, but he is showing forth his moral excellence, his purity, his holiness, and therefore it causes an effect in the person who interacts with that knowledge. And so I want to just read you a few scriptures that point out uh, the definition I just gave you of light and and just kind of firm that up. First, light refers to God's revelation of himself. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light. Psalm 119, 105, and 130 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And 2 Peter 1.19 says, And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And so just in these few scriptures, you can see that when God's making himself known, the biblical writers refer to that as light. In other words, when God makes himself known, things become visible. His character becomes visible. Our ways become visible. There's this visibility to him making himself known. And light, light also refers to the excellence of God's character. And it refers to the way in which God wants us to live our lives. Look at Isaiah 5.20. This is what Isaiah says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And so we see the biblical writers using light and darkness to refer to good and evil. Okay, we're going to see that in a few other verses here as well. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, this is what Paul says. He says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. There it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so we see just in that passage from Isaiah and Ephesians that light refers to what is true, what is right, what is good. It's, it's not only being visible, but it's making its way out into who we are as people, our character. And I want to look at a few other verses that show how John himself uses this term light. In John eight twelve, in John's Gospel, he says this. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In John 3, 19-24, he says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. And then in 1 John 2, 9, he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And so we see in John's usage of the word light, this metaphor of light, he's saying that light not only makes things visible, but it also has another consequence. It, it affects the way we live. It affects who we are. One scholar said it this way. He said, light diffuses righteousness. In other words, when God makes Himself known and light goes out, it, there's consequences. It causes change to happen in those who are in the light. He goes on to say, the effect of the light is not just to make men see, but to enable them to walk. And let me try to illustrate this. Just the other day, yesterday actually, I took the kids down to uh, the Greenway on the other side of the river to let them ride their bikes. And so we were riding our bikes, and the sun was shining. It was a beautiful day, very warm day. And uh, we were riding along the river, and there's a lot of shade there, so it was nice and cool, and everything was real nice and bright and green and pretty. And then at one part, though, we, we decided to take a turn and go up this road, but the problem was there was no shade whatsoever. So not only were we enjoying the sunlight, and everything was visible, we were also suffering some other consequences of the light. You know, I'm sure my body was producing some vitamin D, which is a good thing, but also my skin was changing colors <laughs> as the sun was coming down. So to be in the sun, even today, when you're out in the sun, you experience more than just visibility and the, the ability to see things around you. There are also other effects of being in the light, just in, in, in regard to the sunlight. And so what John is saying is that God is light. Not only is He making Himself known, but when you are in the presence of that knowledge, that light, it causes some effects. There are some consequences. There's something that happens if you are in the light. And so John and the other biblical writers, by saying that God is light, they're saying that God is not only revealing Himself, but there's also change that occurs when we are in the light. 
You know, we're, uh, we're members of the Croc Center. Maybe some of you have been down there. Maybe some of you are members of you know, Gold's Gym or the YMCA or you just avoid gyms at all costs. I don't know. Wherever you are with that, it's okay. But just, just imagine, if you will, you, know, you haven't worked out in a long time. You're out of shape. You, know, you couldn't run around the block without being winded. Okay? You haven't lifted weights long. And then you, you decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the Croc Center and I, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get in shape. Well, you go into the Croc Center and then you see these people who are just, you know, in perfect shape. You know, just at first it may make you sick. And so you see they're just, they're working out, you know, they're running 10 miles and lifting all this and they're just trim and they're perfectly in shape. You know, that could, that could do one of two things for you. As you see this, per, this person who's perfectly in shape, you know, working out, you can think, you know what? I will never be like that. <laughs> so I'm going to go cancel my membership and get my money back, and I'm just not even going to try. That's one response. You just want to move away from that. Or you may say, you know what? I could be like that. I, I, could, I could do some of these same things. I could be more in shape. And so you begin training. And so when you come in contact, for example, when John's saying, God is light, when you come in contact with His light, it produces two responses. One is you flee from the light and you go into the darkness. You say, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. I don't want my life to be revealed the way it is. I don't want to come to terms with the fact that God is pure, holy, good, and I don't match up to that perfectly. I don't want to deal with that, so I'll flee that. I just remove myself from it. Or you say, you know what? God is good. He's light. He's pure. He's holy. He's loving. I want to move into that. I want to be like that. And so John is telling us that in order to have this life-changing fellowship with God and other Christians, we must recognize God for who He is. It starts with Him. He is light. But even as we reflect on that this morning... We're forced to ask the question, I know I am, as I think about, okay, God is light, He's pure, He's holy, He's good, He wants me to be that way, and yet I realize, you know what, my life is not that way. And so how in the world can I, someone who walked in darkness and is in darkness, how can I come into the light? How can I walk in the light? How can I be with the God who is light? How can I have fellowship with this God? Well, this is the question that John answers in verses 6 through 10. And the way he does it is that he is going to highlight some of the false teaching that has been going around. And then he's going to use that as a teaching moment by giving us the truth. And so let's walk through this. And I want to show you how John highlights the false teaching. He uses this phrase, if we say. And he uses it three times in these verses. In verses 8, 6, and 10. In verse 6 he says, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we, walk, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then in verse 8 he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10 he says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So let's take a look at these false teachings one by one. The first one 
is the claim that, you know what, if you're a Christian, it really doesn't matter what you do. You know, if, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then, you know, it doesn't really matter how you live your life. Your soul is saved, and so it doesn't matter what your body does. So sin's not a big deal. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect your fellowship. You know, as I was thinking about this idea, it reminded me of a class that Celia uh, took back at Clemson. Clemson was a great place, but I don't know how much they valued marriage and family. <laughs> she, she had to take this marriage and family class which obviously was a class about you know, marriage and how it should function or families and healthy ways families should function. But the professor of the class had been married and divorced seven times. <laughs> and so on the one hand, you might think, well, this person should know a lot about marriage. He's been married seven times. Well, I don't think that's the way you go about uh, learning about marriage and family. I think you would rather probably have somebody who'd been married maybe 30 years and has a lot more experience in different ways in that relationship than someone who's been married seven times. And so I thought, you know, this is a great example of you know, a college that said, you know, all we really care about is content exchange. We just want the content out there. Just learn what's in the book. We really don't care about marriage and family. That's not the point. The point is, we get your money for paying for the class. You get this book and the content, and that's all that matters. And it's, it's kind of what... The false teachers were saying in these churches, they were saying, you know, all that really matters is that you believe certain things about God, but you can live however you want to. And John is saying, how could you say that? It'd be like saying, why don't you all just walk outside today, find you a nice sunny spot, and just sit there for about three hours, and just enjoy the visibility, and nothing else will happen to you. Why don't you go and try that and see what happens? What you'll do is you will enjoy the visibility. You will see certain things, but yet you also notice other effects happening to you. Like I mentioned earlier, you would turn colors, probably more of a shade of red, and pain will come upon you because you realize, you know what, when I'm in the light, it not only makes things visible, but there are other consequences there. there. There are other things light is doing to me. And so John is saying, it's not just enough to know the facts. But the, the consequence and the effect of light is much more than that. So, what does John have to say about how Christians handle their lives? How, how do we handle our sin, even? Well, he says in verse 7, he tells us, he says... But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. See, it's not that our sin doesn't matter. It does matter. But what the way He wants us to deal with it, and the way as Christians we need to deal with it, is we walk in the light. And as we are walking in the light, our sin is exposed. We see it for what it is. And then guess what? We take comfort in knowing that, you know how we deal with it? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. It's not that we deny the sin. Oh, it doesn't matter or we don't have it. It's, 
What do we do with it? Well, we bring it to God and we recognize that it's through the blood of Christ, His Son, that our sin is cleansed. This is how we walk in the light. It's through the blood of Christ. It's, it's through what Christ did for us on the cross, which is what He's referring to here. He's saying when Christ died on the cross, shed His blood, what He did was He made it possible for us, children of the darkness, to walk in the light. And the idea is it's ongoing. This isn't just your sins were forgiven, so don't worry about anything else you do in your life. No. The blood of Jesus cleanses. Continually cleanses. He's continually working on us. It's not just enough to know the facts, but God's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not going to leave us like we were. He's going to make us more like Christ. This is what we call sanctification. You know, it's the process of maturation in the faith, this growing into more Christ-likeness. It's just like in that gym, when you see somebody, you see all these different people, different levels of you know, abilities, and you know, they've work, been working out in different ways. Well, you don't walk in and think, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to walk into the gym, and then I'm going to look just like that, or I'm going to have this stamina or this strength. No. You realize it's a process. It's a growing process. And what John is saying your behavior matters. What you do matters because we are in process of becoming more like Christ. And the way that happens is that God is cleansing us of our sin. And this takes us to the next error that we can slip into. John says in verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the second error is to say, you know, it's not that sin doesn't matter. It's actually, I have no sin. So, no problem. No sin, no problem. And I haven't met many people that have said that. You know, they have said, you know, Ron, after coming to know Jesus as my Savior, I'm just sinless. I never make a mistake. I never fail to do what's right, and I never do what's wrong. But I have met one person like that. Actually, he was at a college that I worked at, and I, we were walking through the book of Romans, and uh, he just told me, he said, you know, after I placed my faith in Christ, I haven't sinned. Now, what do you do with that? I, I just looked at him and I said, really? You're saying you've, you placed your faith in Christ, you do not sin. He said, that's right. I don't sin. So I just began to explain, that really has not been my experience um, and I even, you know, think about this. Why, why were the New Testament letters written? Because these apostles are writing to churches that are dealing with Christians who are sinning. And they're saying, you know, we don't need to keep doing this. We need to do this. This is how we need to walk with the Lord. Not this. Don't keep doing that. And even this passage here in John, he's saying... This is how as Christians we deal with sin. We don't say that it doesn't matter. We don't say that it doesn't exist. Because all throughout the scripture we see that in fact we do have sin. And John says that if you say that you do not have sin, then you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. Just think about those words. Those are strong words, but just think about them. And let's, let's go back to the metaphor of light. If you're in the light, if you're in the truth, 
then you see what sin is. If you say you have no sin, then you must not be in the light because you're not seeing your sin for what it is. And so if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. So what does God want us to do with our sin? Well, He wants us to confess our sin. He wants to not only... He's already shown us our sin. And so what do we do with it? We bring it before Him. We confess it to Him. And I want to read what David says about unconfessed sin in Psalm 38. Verses 1 through 3 and then at the end of verse 18. Listen to what he says. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger nor discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. As a Christian, if you're walking in the light, when you become aware of your sin, it's a burden. Like David said, it's like arrows that have sunk into your soul, it has penetrated. And you must do something with it. And so later on in that psalm, in verse 18, he says, I confess my iniquity, and I am sorry for my sin. See, as a Christian, if we live with unconfessed sin, we will be very miserable. God will not allow us just to continue to enjoy life and walk in the light in unconfessed sin. And so John tells us what we need to do when we become aware of your sin. When we become aware of our sin, he says this in verse 9. He says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you become become aware of your sin, what you need to do is you need to confess your sin. You need to agree with God about your sin. You need to bring it to him. He already knows about it. But he says we need to confess it. Which means is first of all, it's possible for Christians to sin, and when we do, we need to bring it before the Lord when we become aware of it. And I want you to see here how God responds to confessed sin. Verse 9, he says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First of all, he says he's faithful, which is interesting when you think about it. Why is God faithful to forgive? I'm just going to take you to one verse in Jeremiah 31, 34. When Jeremiah is talking about this new covenant that God's going to make with his people, he says this, or God says this through him. He says, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This is His character. This is who God is. He's a God who forgives confessed sin. He is faithful to do what He says He'll do. But this next one is a little more interesting. It kind of takes you off guard. But because John says, not only is He faithful to forgive you, He's just. Just think about that. God is just to forgive your sin. He's just to forgive your wrongdoing. Now, how is that possible? How can God be just in forgiving something that you've done wrong against Him? How is that justice? Where is the justice in that? 
Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 3, 23-26. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how can God be just in forgiving your confessed sin? Well, because of what Christ has done. See, it's through the death of Christ the price has been paid for your sin. And when you confess it, the price has been paid and so He is just to forgive it. And so because of what Christ has done, the court of the justice of God has been satisfied and we have been freed to experience a relationship with God. We are able now to walk in the light as He is in the light. And lastly, the third error is saying that we have not sinned. It's very similar to the one before. In verse 10 he says, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us which is very strong language. He says, if you say that you are without sin, you make God a liar. Well, how do we make God a liar? Well, it's because God has said in His Word, for example, I just read a verse in Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So how are we to approach this God of light? Well, it's only through Christ that we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. And once we do that as Christians, you know, how, do we, how do we deal with our sin? Well, it's through Christ again that we can bring it before the Lord and He will cleanse us from our sin. Now in conclusion, I have to share with you some, some good news and some bad news. The good news is, if you are in Christ... God will provide for you all that you need to become more and more like Jesus. He will cleanse you of your sin. He will forgive you of your sin. All He requires is that we come to Him and acknowledge our sin and confess our sin. Now the bad news is, Christians are not going to be perfect. Christians are going to do things sometimes that we shouldn't do. And we're going to fail to do things that we should do. At times we may even be hypocritical. We're broken. And that is why the only way for you to be transferred out of darkness into light is not by trusting in the work of Christians, but by trusting in the work of Christ. He's the only one who can transfer you out of darkness into light. Because we're all in process. Just like in that gym, we're all in process. We're not all in the same place. We all have entered the gym at different times and we're all exercising our faith muscles you know, and growing with the Lord at different times. So next time you see a Christian maybe doing something that you think they shouldn't be doing, or maybe they've made you angry or they've done something against you, maybe this will help you extend a little more grace to them. Think of them like this. Think of it like this. Think of, you know, if he did this 
and he knows Christ, think of what he would have done if he didn't know Christ. You know, we're all in process. We're all moving towards Christ's likeness. Now, for some of you, God may have you in, in process as well. And maybe this morning, He wants you to move from darkness into light. And that only can happen through faith in Christ. And maybe that's where you are this morning. And I want to encourage you to place your faith in Christ. Have your sin forgiven. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Others of you perhaps have been hesitant to become a part of a church. And perhaps it's because of the hypocrisy. Christians do things they shouldn't do. They say things one way, they do them another. Sometimes that happens. But I want to encourage you, just like John encouraged these Christians, that we want to have fellowship with you. You Would you consider joining this church so that we can link arms together as we carry out God's agenda in this city? And for many of us, if not most of us, perhaps God has brought to mind some sin in our own life. You know, there are some things in our lives that He wants us to confess. And so what I want to do as we close is I want to enter into a time of prayer. And I'm going to give you a moment just to go before the Lord individually. And if God has brought anything to mind that He would have you to confess, I want to give you that, a time to do that. And then I'm going to pray for us. And you can join with me in this as we pray and then reflect and prepare to respond to God as we sing our closing hymn this morning. So take a moment now and just go before the Lord in prayer and ask Him, is there anything, Lord, is there anything in my life that You would have me bring before Your throne? And take comfort as well that He will forgive you and He will cleanse you and make you more like Jesus as a result. So take a moment now and pray. Lord, as we pray together this morning, we are conscious that even though we are children of the light, that we have Christ in our lives, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, yet at the same time, uh, darkness is present. We we do things we shouldn't do at times. Lord, we confess that. We want to bring those to You. We want to acknowledge the fact that we're not perfect. But at the same time, we want to thank You for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We want to thank You that You are God that is light, that You're good, that You're holy, that You're just, that You're merciful, that You forgive us when we bring our sin to You, that You cleanse us, that You're not done with us, that You promise to complete what You've started in us. Well, we thank You for that, God. And this morning, I I pray You would help us to respond to Your Word in the way You would have us to respond. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.